The Sci-Fi Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast. The Sci-Fi Film Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Sci-Fi Film Podcast. I am a pile of melted body covered in sweat, known as <laughs> Andy Walker. <laughs> it's hot. It's <laughs> hot here in the UK. It's hot well, it is at the world. moment, yeah. Not, it's not always like this. It's, it's not enough to boil a monkey's bum. Um, I'm, I'm sweating so much. I'm no, 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 no. Don't skip over that. Only a monkey's bum? Yeah. And so I'm, not hot enough to boil the rest of it, just just the rear end? Yeah. Okay. I'm, sweat, I'm sweating so much. I'm, I'm, I'm as wet as a daughter's pocket. So... Um, here we are. I'm Andy Walker. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm here with my son, Scott. Hello, Scott. Hello, Father. You seem in a better mood than you did the other week. Huh? You seem in a better mood than you did the other week. No, no, it's just my brain's melted. Uh-huh. It's, it's coming out of my eyes and my ears and at the back of my neck. I'm sweating at the back of my neck, for God's sake. Um. Anyway, here we all are sitting in a rainbow, um, and all that kind of malarkey. Um, some of you may already know this, but if you don't, then I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, I had the pleasure of appearing on somebody else's podcast. Uh, it was uh, one mistake, wonderful time. <laughs> I had a wonderful time. Uh, Elaine, who runs the podcast, is, is a great host, and she's very funny. And uh, if you if you like supernaturally type things and uh, like to have a bit of a laugh, then her podcast is definitely worth having a listen to and, and a look at. It's yes. called it's called Wait. What are you watching? Yeah, uh, what with four A's. So um, we will put a link to to that. And anywhere you've seen the adverts, I'm putting adverts up about it as well. Um, I was on there with the pleasure of talking about the uh, African myth of the Tokolosh. uh, Uh, Do you know what? I'm I'm sort of glad that this is over and done with that. I don't have to hear you just randomly go, Tokolosh, anymore. (laughs) I may still do. There's going to be Tokolosh or Badgers now, isn't it? Don't diss the badger. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. 
I want that as a top. <laughs> you, you, you've put me off what I was going to say. Anyway, so yes, so check out um, the, the podcast. As I say, we'll put links up and everything, and there have been adverts with links on all that kind of stuff. And things. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a very, he's a very entertaining podcast. And it is. Very, very funny. Yes. And I hope to be going back on it at some point to talk about something else. Um, well, if, if, if she's listening, if you could get that on a podcast to talk about badgers, you'll have a massively long episode. Yeah, okay. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure that badgers feature, unless, unless there's some kind of ghost badger or um, somebody is haunted by a... A badger somewhere or, or, or something like that. I can't imagine that there'll be much call for her to do a, an episode about badgers. There you go. Anyway, um, right. So this week we are doing something a bit different. We're not doing two shorts and a long. We're doing two longs. Yeah. <laughs> We are doing a uh, compare and comparison, which we do occasionally, uh, and we are doing compare and comparison of two versions of Night of the Living Dead, uh, one from 1968 and one from 1990. So, shall we start? That would be a good idea. Well, you know, I mean... That is a bit hard to do a review podcast if we don't start talking about it. You say that. Um, right, okay. So, the very first one we have, the first one is 1968 version of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, the director of this is, of course, George A. Romero, and uh, the writer, uh, George A. Romero and John A. Russo. I'm not con convinced that George, uh, John A. Russo had an A in his name until he wrote this with George A. Romero. We just put that in to, to kind of <laughs> copy him. I don't know. Um but uh, they're both both of those are in the movie as well, but uncredited. Oh yeah. So there you go. The cast of this movie are uh, Dwayne Jones, Judith Adia, Carl no, Carl Hardman, uh, who also did uh, some of the makeup, uh, Marilyn Eastman, Keith Wayne, Judith Ridley, Kira Shon, Charles Craig. Bill Heinzman, George Kasana, uh, Frank Doak, and Russell Strainer. Now, he was uncredited, but he plays Johnny, the brother, right at the beginning. Why he was uncredited, I have no idea. Anyway, the synopsis... for like a minute. Not the point. The synopsis for this says, A ragtag... Oh, I can't even speak. Ragtag. A ragtag group of survivors... Barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from a horde of flesh-eating ghouls that are ravaging the northeast uh, portion of the United States. Now, this is obviously, as everyone knows, a, a classic of horror cinema. Yes. Uh, it was the first of the modern zombie movies. Uh and it's kind of um, iconic in a lot of ways. But the thing about this is that, as I was telling you the other day, this was actually by complete mistake 
put into the public domain by the distribution company. Yeah. The, the, the company, now originally, Giorgio Romero never called them zombies. He didn't think of them as zombies. He called them ghouls. Yes. And he wanted to call this film Night of the Flesh Eaters. Yep. But the film company had put out a film a few years earlier called The Flesh Eaters. And they didn't want people to think that this was in some way a kind of follow-up to it. Um, so they decided to call it Night of the Living Dead. But when they gave it that name and they redid the title um, things for the film and for the posters, they forgot to put a copyright notice on it. At that time, all you needed to do was have a little C in a circle and the name of it would have been copyrighted. Uh, but they forgot to do that. So the name wasn't copyrighted. And at the time, the way the law was, and would be for about another five years after this came out, um, that meant that as soon as it was shown anywhere, it was automatically in the public domain. Yeah. So anybody can do a cover, ver cover, cover version. <laughs> cover versions. You know what I mean? They could do their own version of the film. Yeah, they could. Yeah, they could rewrite it in any way they want, or they could use <laughs> it as a basis for anything they want to use it as. Yeah. Now, there are two things about this. Firstly, that means that it has uh, spawned a multitude of both excellent and awful copies and sequels. Um, and spin-offs. And, and spin-offs and things done in many different ways that are to do with these, the, the zombie thing, sort of thing like this. But the other thing is the fact that it means that if they'd, have, if they'd have done it, if they'd have put the copyright notice on there, Giorgio Romero and John A. Russo would have been would have owned the copyright, not only to Night of the Living Dead, but they would have owned the copyright to zombies as we know them today, as the slow-moving, flesh-eating zombies that we see in every other film, which means that there probably wouldn't have never, would never have been uh, a Return of the Living Dead, a uh, Walking Dead... Um, there would, it would have been so oh, been, many films. Yeah, there's literally every, pretty much, uh, apart from a few that I know of that are from, say, Korea and Japan and stuff like that, pretty much any Western zombie film which ha which uses slow-moving zombies wouldn't, or either wouldn't have been made or would have had to pay royalties to them. And even the ones that they, when they, they made later, which were, you had the, the runner zombies, they were very much based on the same sort of characters, but just just changed. And a lot of them were actually remakes of George A. Romero's other films. Yeah. So, um, but that's why um, in George A. Romero's other films, none of them were referred to living dead. They always referred to just the dead. Yeah. Because he didn't want it to be lumped in and end up in the same situation as as living dead as being sort of like a... Uh, public domain thing but that means if you wanted to you can go out and make your own version of this film and you can do anything you want with it you know night of the living dead the musical um <laughs> that i would like to see uh you could do it as a western could do it as a soap opera you could do it as uh night of the living dead as a soap opera a rom-com um hugh grant 
in Night of the Living <laughs> Dead. Well, there is one. There is a one. Uh, a one. There is one like that, which is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, sort sort of like that. But anyway, so there you go. Yeah, yeah that's that's by the by. What did you think? Um, I would like to say actually, I, I, I'd have noticed something with this. Now, when I I've watched a few. Obviously, I've watched quite a lot of zombie films. Um, there was one that came out a few years ago, um, which is a remake of one of them. It was the oh, which one was it? Don't it's not Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Uh, oh, I can't remember what what Dawn of the Dead is. What that film is now. Anyway, there's a film. There's a film where it was hyped up a lot because it had the first. Uh, the main sort of zombie, if you like, in it, where it was controlled, was, was um, someone of colour, which oh, everyone hyped up about. That, that, was actually, was, that was one of George A. Romero's actual, yeah. one of his films, Land of the Dead. Yeah. yeah, but there's also the fact that everyone hyped, a lot of people hyped up about a film about the fact that it's one of the first time you, one of the first zombie films where you see um, zombies, gongs, whatever you want to call them, using weaponry. Yeah. But this film, which obviously was another George Romero film. It was in the 60s. He's actually the first one that does it. Like, no, I've seen him that does it. They use... You see them using bricks and table legs to attack things. Yeah, yeah. And it's just... It's, and the fact that it's also in the remake as well, and it's just a sort of... It's made me wonder why so many people missed it. Yeah, now I must admit that... that... I think a lot of people recognise this as being the, the, the first one and being the kind of originator of it all, but a lot of people kind of um, don't include it as much because of the fact it was it was the first one and it was so. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I I agree with you. I mean, I I agree that yeah, he uses uh, there's there are the zombies or some of the zombies seem a lot more self-aware. Yeah in this than they are in the later films and i don't understand why that is but i mean <laughs> the thing about it is you've got to remember at the time this was made when the, when this was made i don't think they ever expected to make another one no and to be honest though, george a. romero went out of his way not to make another one to be honest though if you look at a lot of zombie films as well a lot of them explain where like the origin of what's gone on. Like obviously you've got Resident Evil was all because of the C yeah, virus. Yeah. You've then got other ones where it's because of a ancient virus, because of something that's contagious from another creature. So this one it, it it talks a little bit on the radio, but they had the whole way through it, both this and the remake, it all it does is talk about the fact that everyone's fighting and arguing about what the origin was. There's no actual explanation to say this is definitely what it was. This is what started it. It was whatever. Is is everyone like? There's one group saying this. There's another group saying that. Another group saying that. And I really like that. It's not just this is started because of a virus or this is started because of whatever. And if if you watch the George Romero series of films more more than any of the others, if you watch the George Romero films, he never explains it anywhere no. at all in any of the films. He never explains where it came from. No. And that's I mean, one of the things I love about his about his work. Yeah. It's the fact that like Sam, a lot of films that you see of them explain it all and it's just like all oh, it's it's a bit sort of that it was man made and like, but this is it makes it that bit more of a 
that sort of horror feel because it, it doesn't it it's just appeared. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I mean, really like that about it. There was there are there are theories and uh John O'Russo said um in a in a, an interview once that it was something to do with it, it's mentioned in the film at some point that it was a spore from outer space, but he then went back on that and said that was just something he said. It was a flippant comment thing. Yeah, really. I don't think they even knew where it came from because it wasn't that was what that wasn't what was important. No, I will say though, is for a sixties film. Yeah, but and we've watched a lot of um, of other horror films and stuff like that where. Especially when it comes to um, the undead, yeah, there's a lot of um, unneeded flesh on show. Yes, and I've always liked that. Apart from a couple of odd little moments in pretty much all of George Romero films, there aren't any. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, you've got like possibly the odd glimpse of like like there is in the remake with a little bit of it, or there's. Um, yeah, like some of his other films, you might get like a quick couple of seconds on the screen, but it's not not following the person. And yeah, yeah. I really like that about it because it's happening. I've watched zombie films where it's just constant and it's just like, well, that's just there for the sake of being there. It's nothing yeah. to do with the film. But this, don't get me wrong, I, I'm a bit contested because it, it's, it seems in this, I don't know whether or not it's because of, I'm so used to other films, but it just seems like it, it takes a long time for nothing to happen really yeah no i know what you mean it, i mean it is a bit of a slow a slow build-up but yeah uh, i think that's i mean that's a time thing that's a thing of, of the age of it and that sort of thing um but yeah I, I know what you mean i mean there is there's one naked zombie in this in in this film and you said he's ever see her from the back and that's yeah. only for literally one scene it's just yeah exactly it's just you see her for a little bit and it's not like it's full-on frontal or even like no. just press it it's literally you see her walk towards the house and you see the back of her and even then like you said it's all of like two seconds really yeah yeah, yeah. and it's done yeah. and I, I i like the fact that he because a lot of obviously like we said in a lot of the 60s films and that sort of era a lot of them were put in because they could well also because of the fact they were trying to aim them at a sort of teenage market yeah um this so that, i think works so well yeah that bit but as i said i i think there's a lot of it that doesn't stand the test of time for me all right but again i'm putting that down to the fact that the time of this film coming out a lot of the stuff was happening so i didn't it wasn't sort of the whole oh my god this is like wow but it's just i don't know i think it's because of the fact that i've seen where Giorgio romero sort of how far he's progressed in his other films. Yeah. And I get the fact that this is obviously like where it all started for him, basically, with the zombie things. But it's just sort of, I sort of looked at it and I'm like, it, it, I know the fact you progress and you get better with time and you do all that and that's where it's gone on. But it's sort of, I look at it and I go, I look, watch this and I'm like, I don't know if it's because I've watched his other stuff, but I've looked at this and gone, I'm a bit disappointed. Oh, okay. But I think, but not like in a bad way, but because I, I know what he's done. Yeah. So it's all, but I think that's more because of the fact that, you, like, he progressed and he got better and he's done better with a lot of the things that yeah. he put out. But I don't know. It just, 
I think it's just for me, it, it was just a slow burn film, and I just I like yeah. I like zombie films, but I just don't. I think this is just it was too slow for me. Okay, well, I mean the, the thing about one of the things I'll say is behind. I mean, there's there's always um, there's kind of almost everything that George Romero's ever done, almost all these films. There's kind of like an underlying uh, kind of political theme to most yeah. of them. Um, and in this one, it was to a certain extent, it was it was about sort of the the race, the yeah. whole race thing and that sort of thing. Because I mean, you know, nineteen sixty eight having a having a, a a black lead actor in the film who is kind of you know, it it was kind of uh, it wasn't something you saw that often. Not only a black lead actor, but also with the script he had. Yeah. Having a go and the arguments that he was having with yeah. one of the other members of the household. Yeah. It's yeah, I agree with you. It was a very unseen and unheard of thing. I I like a lot of the camera work in this film because it really it seems to because there's so much of it, it's really close up, it kind of reinforces the whole thing of being trapped and hunted and yeah. um, and that sort of thing. Um one of the things I did get did get me in this was I couldn't believe that these people originally went downstairs and shut themselves in the cellar without taking any food and drink with them. Yeah, I, I've got me. <laughs> I think this, that just goes to show that it's the fact that it's not just a modern day thing with horror films or any film like that where no one thinks ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's so, just I did think that afterwards. I said both this one and the other one. I sit there and look at it and I'm like. No real prep gone to this. I know that it's all rushed and everyone did shot, but you've not sat there and gone we're locking ourselves down here. We might need somewhere to drink, yeah, something to drink, somewhere to go to the loo, let's some take food all, to eat. Let's take all the food and drink we can find down with us and all the weapons. Yeah, Just and a way of listening to what's going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, but it's, even without that, it's just like just the food and drink. It's just it's just stupid. Yeah. Um. I did. I did like uh, the thing, uh, and at the time, apparently, it was quite a shocking thing, which was the fact that the dad um, ends up collapsing downstairs, and the daughter, yeah, eating him, and then she kills the mother. And at the time, that was a huge shock thing because it was like oh, yes. children killing their parents, you know, especially zombie children killing their parents. You're yeah, like, what? It's yeah, weird though. It's, 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 it's a weird thing, like we said, about the fact that how much things are progressed. Because now, it's it's almost in every zombie film you see something to do with that, with either a, a kid, like a child taking out a relative, or something. And it's just it's almost one of the things that sort of, like I said, it sort of having to progress. Yeah. To the point where now no one bats an eyelid for it, but back then, it's like, oh my god, this is. Unheard of. <laughs> I mean, for me, the other, the other thing about this is that uh, George Romero um, kind of poses this question in almost all of well, I, in I haven't. There's a couple I haven't seen. I haven't seen the Diary of the Dead, which is a later one, came out after Land of the Dead. But um, oh, I haven't seen that one at all. In all the other films, he kind of poses this question, which is posed right at the end of this film. With the, uh, the the zombie hunters, the, the groups from going out and, and all this yeah. kind of thing, 
And especially the fact that they kill the way they kill the hero and then just assume he's another zombie and just chuck him on the fire. It kind of poses the question uh, that he puts it up, he puts in all of his sequels to it, right? Sort of thing, which is who are really the monsters, the zombies or us? Yeah, it's actually, she actually says it in the second one as well, which is we are them and they are us. Yeah, no, I know that. And it's, but the fact, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about it. It is almost in every film, or it is in every film, the fact that it's, well, we, are we the monsters for trying to eradicate them, or are they the monsters for doing what well, they're doing? It's, that, it's just you know, the way that they're treating them. It's as if it's just a big joke, and if it's just... Yeah. A, and, and they don't, didn't, don't even bother to check to see whether the people they're seeing in the houses are zombies, or if they, like, they shoot the hero without even checking to see if he's a zombie or not. They yeah. just assume. They just assume, and yeah, it's it's one of the things, and it's the fact that no one, there's not really any voice of reason to sit there and go, are they all? Yeah. It's just automatically, oh, this is, they're not one of us, so. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's mad. Yes. Okay, let's go on to the second one. So the second version of Night of the Living Dead from 1990. Now, the director of this was Tom Savini, who worked with, with George A. Romero very closely on almost all of his zombie films and a lot of his other films as well, doing special effects and all that kind of thing. Um, he actually apparently was going to be involved in the first film, in the first Night of the Living Dead. But at the time, he was drafted into the army and had, was, uh, had to go off to Vietnam. So he couldn't, oh. couldn't be involved. Um. So, yeah, he's the director for this. The writers, again, it's it's taken from the same um, screenplay and writing, so it's George A. Romero and John A. Russo. Uh, and John uh, George A. Romero is the executive producer yeah. of this. Um, so the uh, cast in this is Tony Todd, who everyone will know from... Uh, yeah, if, if, if they're yeah, watching Bloody horror films and don't know who Tony Todd is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patricia Tolman, uh, Tom Towles, McKee Anderson, William Butler, Katie Finneran, Finner uh, Bill Mosley, again, a well-known... Only in it. Yeah, but again, only in it for two minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Heather Mazer... Uh, Oh, I can't see probably. David Butler, uh, Zachar Mott, uh, Pat Reese, and William Cameron. Now, interestingly, uh, Russell Streiner, who played um, Johnny in the first film, plays the sheriff of the eye patch in this film, uncredited, and you only see him for a few seconds at the end. And yeah. Bill Cardell, who's uh, credited on it as being Chilly Willy. Billy, yeah. I think he's called. Uh, he plays the TV interviewer or the TV reporter in both the films. Yeah. Which is quite interesting. Uh, the synopsis for this film says, when the unburied dead return to life and seek human victims, seven refugees shelter in a house in the Pennsylvanian countryside. Yeah. But, okay. This is one of many, uh, as we said, one of many... Uh, versions there apparently there's one there was one in 2014 uh and there's been an animated version and a few other different versions fan versions and all sorts of things 
I had a look at some of them, and to be honest with you, I don't think any of them are worth talking about. No, it's, it's actually quite disappointing, really, when you think about it. The only reason I think that I, I wanted to compare this was because this is one of the, this is, I think, the only remake of one of Jorge Romero zombies films that doesn't, doesn't have the fast zombies in. I'm not sure about that, but I think so. To be honest, in this one, they seem slower than they did in the first one. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I would say, the thing I would say about this is um, the Barbara character in this one is a lot tougher than she is in the first film. Yeah, that's a bit of an understatement. Yeah. Um, it's almost like she, uh, some, what, at a certain point, she has a sort of personality switch. Yeah. She sort of goes from being this sort of um, woman that doesn't want to upset anyone and is a bit sort of freaked out by the dead when yeah. she's in the graveyard with her brother. So then the point where she's quite happy just to, well, as you see from the scene at the end, quite happy not to think about who she shoots. Yeah. But I mean, right from the beginning, I will say something here, and I, I, I don't know if you will agree with me. Okay. But this is my, purely my personal thing, right? The bit in the graveyard where Johnny's head is smashed into a gravestone, more yep. convincing and better done in the original than it was in this. Because in this one, it's a dummy, and you can see it's a dummy because it squashes, it collapses into itself. Yeah. <laughs> I was the thing is, I was I was more disappointed because obviously I love Bill Mosley. I always have done. I think he's an amazing actor. And yeah. then when I sat there and I read through the cast, and I was like, he plays a character that's only in it for two minutes. Yeah, well, yeah no, I do agree with you. That some of the um, prosthetic work and some of the dummy work in this was a lot worse. Than it was in the original. Than it was in the original, yeah. I don't know if that's because the original was black and white and it was harder to tell, but this one is I mean just... The bit yeah, where, there were times where I looked at it and I was like, really? The bit where the, the, the guy who owns the, the house who falls over this balcony and always squashes Barbara, but the bit where she's having a fight with him she's hitting him with a poker, it honestly looked like the cameraman was holding up one of those, you know those boxing torsos? Yeah. It looked like he, he was holding up one of those and she was he was walking backwards with it while she was hitting it over the head with the poker. Well, it just didn't look realistic at all. No, it's the fact as well, it's been a bit later, it's the same character. She's moving his body. Yeah. It's it's like it's not like it's even someone that sat there with makeup on. It's blatantly a plastic dummy. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, but yeah, so with this one there, there was a lot more gore. I would say in this, and a lot there more was sort a bit of more gore in that in this. Yes, I agree. A lot more scene of it, but there, there were slight changes. I would say, yeah, there were some slight changes to the to the characters and the storylines. For example, in the, in the original one, the young couple downstairs are just a young couple who happen to live in the local area, whereas in this one, they're related to the guy who owns the house. And the fact, and the fact that in this in the original, uh, the bed collapses downstairs and the daughter attacks him yeah but in this one she attacks the mum and the dad dies later on yeah so there's some the same there's some there's some slight changes and sort of bigger changes but again this is the one that 
the sort of the act of the the acting of people once they start sort of realizing they can fight back and the act the sort of reaction of everyone to sort of just kill him because they they can yeah is, i think is a is shown as a lot more not aggressive but a lot more sort of um I want to say sort of joyful and psychotic sort of version of sort yeah, of yeah. they, they get mean. more fun out of it than they my, did in the original. My big problem with this film, and I don't think it's a bad film, but my biggest problem with this film is that it collapses into like a a shouting match. Yeah. And it becomes annoying. And the thing is, it doesn't do it just once. It does it over and over again. Was the things that I thought for a while as well was the fact that they actually made comment about in the film about the fact that that they're just shouting each other and acting like kids. And I was like, okay, maybe that's an, and then it carries on. I'm like, okay, that's just you've made a point about it, but not corrected it. Yeah, and it's, it's just I don't know, but it's, yeah, I do agree. It just got to the point where I'm like, okay, you're now just shouting each other for the for the sake of it. It's just getting boring, man. For me, it got to the point where I really didn't care who survived or if any of them survived. To be honest. <laughs> No, I've got a bit that. And I would, I would say, I don't know about, about you, but for me, it was I think even before we got halfway through the film, I knew that Barbara was going to be the only one who was going to survive. Yeah, I saw. She seemed, <laughs> seemed to be the only one who seemed to be doing anything productive. I will say though, for a woman that lived in the city and didn't have a, had a fear of pretty much everything when it started, she could sure end a, a rifle very well and pinpoint accuracy. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. It, it was a bit of a joke, as I'm saying again. I love Tony Todd. I think he's an amazing actor. Yeah. And, but again, I, it's weird. I've seen him in a lot of films, and I think he plays better dead people and sort of that ghoulish look than he does people that are alive. I, I honestly don't think this was any of the people in it. I don't think this was their best work, including Tom Savini. You know, I, I've seen Tom Savini films, uh, films that he's made. And film, you know, directed and films that he's done special effects and all that kind of thing on, and and he's he's done some brilliant stuff. And I didn't think it was that good, really. As far as no, there, there, there's a couple of moments where um, I don't know whether or not it's the dummy work or cosmetic or what. But there were parts of it that looked okay, but then there was parts of it that I looked at and I was like, this. It's almost like we've gone backwards. Yeah. In progression, like you'd think, I would, I would have sat there and thought about it and I was like, okay, I can understand that from like a film from the 50s, maybe early 60s, sort of that look, and sort of been able to tell. But a film that was saying was in the 90s, where it was getting to the point where CGI and makeup and prosthetics were starting being used a lot more. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, no, I, this, I know. It, it looked unprofessional, I know, which is a shame yeah. because, like we said, the people that are in it. Well, I know, again, it was done on a fairly cheap budget. It wasn't something that was done on a huge budget. But well, even no. so, it was a lot more lot more spent on it than the original was. Um, yeah. All right. I mean, the end of this is very different to the original. Yes. Um, it's got a slightly interesting twist to it. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it had the same impact that the original had. The original ending had. No, I think the same. If I think with the quote, to be honest, for me personally, if they had ended it on the quote where she says, "Are oh, we are them and they are us," yeah, would have had a bigger impact than 
then going back to the house and doing what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Although Tony Todd as a zombie is better than he was. Oh, before. yeah, that's what I was saying. Tony Todd as a, as a either, either as a killer or as a ghoul and zombie is actually better than him acting normal. Yeah. I've, I've got to say, for me, overall, I would say that... that, that I, th I would say that it's about... What I would have to say about this film is that it's interesting, but it's not as good as the original. I think, for me personally, I think it's it's one of the films where they've both got they've both got equally good and bad parts for me. But I think yeah, the original has got slightly few more good parts for me. So, but again, I I think this is one for both people that have been done both films. The fact that it shows for anyone that makes films, the fact that you are going to make a dud film at some point. Yeah. But if you carry on and keep going out and keep working out and keep trying, then you are going to make some amazingly good films. And like yeah, Giorgio yeah. Romero's done it, they're totally both done it. Yeah. And I think it's just one of the things that if I think at a time they they probably done very well, but there's a lot of things that. Personally, for me, I don't think of a, like a, a lot more obvious nowadays to see the fact that there's that they're dummy used and they're not yeah. people. But same at the time, they they were amazing films. I I honestly, I, I was very disappointed by the nineteen ninety one, um, and I I would honestly say that um, I would much rather watch the original any time than watch that. Yeah. I've got a bit of like the, the, the 1990 film does make a good point, and it, it's a point for me that I say in a lot. I've I've said to myself, and I've said out loud to a few people in a lot of the zombie films where they're very very slow people. Why not just walk past them? Yeah, well, like they run away from these people, and like they actually show a scene originally with Barbara. She's running away, running down a hill, and throws herself down a hill, and they've not even gone past the gravestone she was attacked at. I know, and it's just like you could just walk. Like you could probably get your shopping on the way if you wanted to. The, the, the problem <laughs> comes with the fact that there are an awful lot of them, and they don't stop. Oh, I know that. I'm not saying the fact that, like, you could just... But it's the fact that, like, like she does. The fact that yeah, he gets no, the problem, no. she just weaves in and out. And it's just like... The fact that that is a good thing they put in it, I think, yeah, for me. Yeah. No, because of the fact that... Even nowadays, okay, yeah, you've got fast ones, but when it's, like, slow-moving zombies and people are like, oh, my God, we've got to run. And it's like, no one turns around and goes, we could just walk. It would save us a lot more energy. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. I just, yeah. I don't know. I know what you mean. Yeah. But, uh, there you go. Uh, so there we have it. The two uh, versions of Night of the Living Dead, 1968 version, which I would rather watch uh, anytime, and the 1990 version, which um, I wouldn't. And uh, as far as Scott's concerned, <laughs> he, he, likes, he likes and dislikes both of them equally. Yeah. I, I, for me personally, I like and dislike both of them. But if I had a choice to watch, I suppose... Possibly the 1991 a bit more, but I think that's more more to do with the actors that are in it. Right, fair enough. Well, there you go. That's us. If you know of a better version of um, the Night of the Dead, uh, or if you 
disagree with what we said about these two versions, let us know. Um, or if you've made a better zombie film. Well, yeah, it's specific. Well, I think you've made a better zombie film. But, uh, you know, if you've made a better version of Night of the Living Dead, then let us know. Yeah. If if you're one of the people that Dad skipped over because he thought they were good, please get done. Uh, you know, if you if you know of a better version that we we haven't, I, I may have missed in some way. Yeah, there's, there's no. got there are loads of them out there. Like I've, there I've sat here while we were doing this and looked up, and all I did was type into Google "Night of the Living Dead," and the amount of top ones that come out come up with different years after. Yeah, I think, like, I think it, it's filled up like, my my screen. So I think there's something like twenty eight different versions, actually different versions of this film, not ones that are just connected to it or no. Spin-offs or whatever, but that are actual straight-up versions of this film. Yeah. Okay. So that's us for this week. Uh, next week, we will be back to doing uh, two shorts and a long. And the long next week is a weirdo. It's, uh, yeah. It's a little bit of strangeness. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I should say anything about it before we get there. No, because we do we don't, we've done this before and it, it's an it's all bit it's in the rear end here by it where we've mucked, where the production team have mucked up the timing of putting things out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. No, the good point good point, that production team are not all they used to be. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> let us let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if you uh, agree, disagree with us. Uh, or whatever. Uh, if there are any films that you would like us to review, any short films you have made that you would like us to review, or any uh, feature films that you think we should try having a look at and review, uh, preferably ones that most people can watch quite easily, so even ones that are on YouTube or are on a free streaming service or whatever, that would be fantastic. Um, but anything, we'll, we'll give anything a go. As long as it's horror or sci-fi, we'll, we'll watch any rubbish. And also, on a, on a yeah, on a personal note for me, mainly because this is a conversation that me and Dad have had a long a few weeks ago, and we're trying to figure out if anyone can jog our memory of whether well, that means going back and listening, probably, which I feel sorry for a lot of people if they do, but going back and figuring out where the whole origin of message dolphin uh, smoke dolphins come from. Dolphins came from, yeah, we don't. Or we... if if anyone knows what they are. And I don't just mean smoking a dolphin. I mean, like, proper, like, message smoke dolphins. Um, please message me. <laughs> yes. We, we seem to have lost the origins of smoke dolphins somewhere in the ether. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's normally what happens to smoke dolphins. You lose them in the ether. <laughs> and don't forget to check out... Um, wait, why are you watching? On, yes. Uh, it's all available on YouTube and Spotify and all that kind of thing. And there will be a link up with this and uh, stuff like that. So until next week, thank you, Scott. That's okay. Thank you for... Le- I don't know why I keep saying thank you for letting me be. Do this. It's still like we do this every week. It's just... I know. It's not like it's not like you I, you phone me up and go, do you want to? Like, we, are, we are co-hosts. Yeah. Um, thank you, Scott. Thank okay. you, I'd like to thank myself. You'd like to what yourself? Thank. Oh. <laughs> thank. Sorry, my laptop got out for a little bit. <laughs> You'll be booed. Um, 
So until next week, when we will be here, there well, may be some possibility that somebody will be out there. Well, no, we know there are a few people that listen to us. Whether or not any of them actually want to admit they do is another story. We've got subscribers and everything. Yeah. Mm. It's not just us subscribing to it. No. <laughs> We've got subscribers, so somebody subscribe. Whether they listen, I don't know. Whether anybody actually... I think, if I remember rightly, I looked at the listening figures and it was something like ooh, about ooh, two people listening to every episode or something. And... Um, <laughs> On, on Spotify, and about, we normally have around, around sort of 15 to 20 people on, on YouTube, and um, most of them listen for about five minutes, and they go, oh, sod that. So, Fair enough. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. One yeah. day, one day, we'll use One day we'll be millionaires. Our, one day we'll use this to make our fortune, you know. We'll be millionaires. No, we're never going to be millionaires. I have way too much money to do. <laughs> so, until further ado, further ado. 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 Ado, we do, do. Um, bye. Bye. The Sci Fora Film Podcast. Sci-Fi Film Podcast is a Thrave Productions podcast.